0: Do you panic a little when you recognize yourself or your children in descriptions like OCD, bipolar disorder, or ADHD? Have you or your child, or both, been diagnosed with a psychiatric disorder, and you'd like to understand if or how it correlates with a spiritual problem? Then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at GingerHeber.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help support our ministry, one way you can do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of other online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for your support, listeners. This enables us to further our mission, to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I just love waking up in the morning, curling up in my comfy chair with a warm cup of coffee and reading the daily news. Did you just tense up? Because I did. Honestly, I sense myself wanting to avoid the news at all costs and shield my children from it as well. But what if there was a better way to be informed without being disheartened? Well, that's exactly what I love about the world and everything in it. This podcast from World News Group is my favorite source for current events because I can get sound journalism from a Christian worldview without the hysteria, the chaos, and the stress. As one of Apple Podcasts' top 100 news programs, they deliver essential headlines, field reporting, interviews, and expert analysis every weekday. Search for the world and everything in it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Well, hey there, Katie. I know you and I are both so excited to have Ed Welch back on our show today, the first time we had him on to discuss anxiety and depression in children, which was incredibly insightful and Mm -hmm. helpful. If you guys missed that episode or might be new to the podcast, we'll be sure to include a link to that one in the show notes because it is one you do not want to miss. For today's show, I'm very much looking forward to hearing from Ed about psychiatric diagnoses, and what the Bible has to say about them. So Katie, how about you introduce our guest to our listeners so we can dive right in. Sure. Edward Welch is a licensed psychologist and faculty member at
0: CCEF, that's the Christian Counseling Educational Foundation. He earned a PhD in counseling, specific neuropsychology from the University of Utah, and has a Master of Divinity degree from Biblical Theological Seminary. He's been counseling for over 40 years and has written extensively on the topics of depression, fear, and addictions. We love his work because everything he writes is from a biblical perspective. Some of his biblical counseling books include... Shame Interrupted, When People Are Big and God is Small, Depression, A Small Book About a Big Problem, A Small Book for the Anxious Heart, and his newest book called I Have a Psychiatric Diagnosis. Ed, it is so great to have you back on our show today. Welcome.
2: Katie, thanks so much. and Ginger, good to see you. I I feel bad about being on the show. I feel bad about it. <laughs> I feel bad about it in, in this way, that... that it seems like when you're talking about psychological and psychiatric problems, you're talking about adult stuff. Mm. And, and um, you wouldn't be thinking that's the kind of stuff that parents have to be alert to. But the reality is, mm. it's true that this is now part of, part of parental expertise. They have to have some idea what what these things mean and what they mean in our children's lives. So so I wish I wasn't here in that sense <laughs> uh, that we wouldn't didn't have to talk about these things with children, but it's really important.
1: It is important. And
0: one thought I had when you said that, Ed, is that we also, as parents, many of us who may have a diagnosis similar, it affects our parenting. And so Mm -hmm. how do we navigate, you know, children who might, but also the parents who do as well. So we'd love to unpack some of that today.
1: That's right. And that's why we are really thrilled to have you in particular back on with us today, because with the growing influx of adults and children being diagnosed with problems and disorders of all kinds, as you said, Ed, this is such an important topic, so much so that we knew that we needed an expert to address it. I don't know if you know this, but we actually tried to get you on our show back in fall of last year because we were getting so many questions about this sort of thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. But that didn't work out because you um, are very busy. You had a super busy schedule. (laughs) Uh, But that was totally okay. You have so much wisdom and insight to offer on this topic. So Katie and I were happy, more than happy, to wait until we could get you to come on and encourage our listeners. So I think with this topic, maybe a good place for us to start is to define some terms. Ed, can you tell us, what you mean by the word psychological and psychiatric problems, and then maybe give us an example or two of each.
2: They're, we'll approach it in a few different ways. One is they're basically the same thing. A psychological problem, a psychiatric problem, they're the same thing. If we want to split hairs, when you say it's a psychiatric problem, you're typically assuming that it is a medical problem and medication is going to be part of the treatment. When you say it's a psychological problem. Oftentimes, you're thinking there's something about the way the child is handling life, or there's something about the past that has been challenging for the child, so that you can make these fine-grained distinctions. But but basically, what you're saying is is something is especially hard for the child. That's 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 the heart of it, and that's the important thing. Uh, some things are more important than others. That's we're always making those kinds of judgments as parents. Every Every five minutes, where do we do we make an issue of that? Well, when when the the idea of a psychological or psychiatric problem is raised with our children, whether we see it or somebody else sees it, it means that that we should do something. Uh, now, what we do is is it, it it might not be that sophisticated, but we need we, it means we want to do something. So that's that's the way we are thinking about these things as parents. Don't be thrown off by the by the technical features of it. Don't be afraid of the terms. Just say, I, I need to move closer and, and I want to try to understand what's going on with my child. And, and here's, here's uh, maybe one other thing if I, could, if I could say this. And I think we talked about this a little bit before. What we're looking for is, is what, now, now that you have this word that seems to make sense of some of the things that are going on with your children, now describe it find other words. If, you, if we only have one word to describe something, we don't understand it. Mm. Uh, if we really understand something well, we have all kinds of words. And for something like this, the more words we have, the better. So that's, that's part of the mission. But you're talking about the actual word itself. It's a worthwhile word. It means mm-hmm, something's, my, my, my child is struggling with something and we should do something about it.
0: Okay, so what makes a psychological or psychiatric problem become a disorder? And do you think that's an important distinction for us to make?
2: I I think for us, it's probably not that important. Uh, It's, it's, again, it's something hurts, and it's especially difficult, and it seems to be persisting. It's not, it's not going away with a good night's sleep. That's, mm. that's the idea. Whether we call it a problem or a disorder uh, or a diagnosis, that's, we, we want to do something with it.
1: Okay. So with that groundwork laid, are there any differences in how psychological problems are defined, diagnosed, and treated specifically in children? How could we recognize that there is a problem that needs to be addressed?
2: That's a good question. What are are we looking for as parents? We're we're looking for the places where life is hard for our child Mm -hmm. and uh, hard in relationships, hard in their relationship with us, uh, hard in following directions, hard in obeying. We're looking for places where it's hard with our child. Now, the, the challenge is sometimes, for example, if our child is not obeying, we don't look very diligently. We just say it's disobedience, it's, it's immoral, it's wrong, and the child needs to change. What, what, what we want to promote here is, is whatever it is where the child is struggling, we want to slow down. We want to slow down. And this becomes an occasion to try to understand our child. <laughs> what is it like for our child, for example, when, when we ask him or her to do something and he freaks out or she freaks out? What? Hold it. That's not normal. <laughs> and when something's not normal, it's different than we expect. It's, we want to investigate. We want to understand it just a little bit better. So that's, that's what we're after with this. Uh, we don't want to be mystified by a diagnosis. The diagnosis is just saying, here's sort of the terrain or something might be difficult, look over here. And let's use this as the occasion for for trying to understand our child well.
0: Maybe I'm jumping ahead of turn here, but, (laughs) or ahead of myself, but what about the other extreme of that, Ed, where we have parents who um, may have a diagnosis like ODD. And so they're not necessarily considering the heart implications of disobedience, but it's more, well, now they have this diagnosis. And so that explains it. you know, this is the struggle I see a lot of parents dealing with. in Ginger, I know you've experienced this Mm -hmm. on a regular basis with parents coming to you and expressing frustration. Like, how do I discipline something that really seems like a disorder? Um, Could you just give us some wisdom on that?
2: Specifically, how how do we discipline something when it seems like a disorder? Well, we, we discipline, whatever way we choose to discipline, we discipline when the child is sinning. And Let's just make sure we know that it's sinful. <laughs> it's, mm. And our child, our children are going to do enough sinful thing. If, <laughs> if if we're if we're not sure if something's sinful, if they didn't understand, if mm. if they're if they're having a bad day for different reasons, um, if we're not quite sure if this is truly an infraction and and, and disobed, blatant disobedience against against their parents, then we then we look for other ways to deal with it. We wait to, until we're certain. Uh, that's that's one way we can we can approach something like odd. But but what you're raising is 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 perhaps the critical problem of our discussion. When when our child has a psychiatric disorder, or when, when that label sort of fits some of the things the child is struggling with, there are two things that happen. One is we see things we didn't see before. That's mm-hmm. That's the nice thing about words. They, they sort of put the spotlight on different things. And we can look at, at what are those things, and we want to understand those things. So that's the good part about it. The other, the part, the other part about it, which is not so good, is it can blind us. Notice how, how so many of us as, as parents, when we think of, oh, well, here's more of an adult word, trauma. When we think of the word trauma, which is perhaps one of the most well-known psychiatric or, or, or psychological struggles, what happens is we are not thinking about scripture. We're not thinking about it. It's it's as if that problem is partitioned from scripture. Mm. Scripture is this completely different land. That is is the struggle we have with almost every psychiatric diagnosis. And it's not the fault of the psychiatric diagnosis. It's, It's a challenge that we have. It feels like scripture doesn't speak to these things. And, and the reason we would think that is because we go to a concordance and we don't find the word trauma, or we don't find the word attention deficit disorder, we 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 don't find the word panic, we don't even find the word depression, we certainly don't find the word bipolar, and on and on and on. And since we don't find those words, we figure that these are modern problems that the scripture doesn't speak to. Mm. So our challenge is is you no know, the. The spiritual world is not sort of this parallel universe to the psychiatric or the psychological. The spiritual world is is the deepest realities of all of life. And everything is spiritual. And that doesn't mean everything is is wrong or right. It means everything, everything is referenced to who God is. That's what it means to be spiritual is God is with us, and He speaks. He speaks words to us that we will hear no other place than from Him. He gives us help that that we will find in no other place other than Him. So that's, that's our challenge. When our children are struggling with a psychiatric diagnosis, that's the beginning of that question. Okay, now Lord, how do you speak to this? There might be medications. There might be all kinds of other things that are they're adjuncts and helpful thing for my child. But, but it, it's similar to cancer in this, that cancer is a spiritual problem. That doesn't mean we, we don't look for other kinds of treatments. But ultimately, this is about life and death. Mm. And, <laughs> and, and, and this is about the meaning of life. And this is about purpose. And, and these are things that, that, that God alone speaks to. Um, it's about tragedy and trouble and the breakdowns of the body. These are, these are things that God speaks to. That's the way we want to at least begin to approach psychological problems or psychiatric problems. That we we know God speaks. We don't, might not know what he says, but we know that he speaks. Mm. And we're going we're to keep searching scripture. And we're going to ask our friends and, and read books until we... We understand how he speaks to my child in unique ways.
0: I love that. I love that you said, you know, a diagnosis of any kind is the beginning and not the end. It's not the explanation like, oh, well, that's why, and that's where we stop. It's the beginning of the journey into understanding spiritually what are the implications and how do we deal with it, you know, according to God's word.
2: Yeah, like a that. diagnosis is just a word. It's not It's mm. not a bad word. It's not a good word. It's. It's a descriptive word. It's trying mm. to help us to see certain things. But yeah, thank you, Kitty. I think that's important. That's the beginning of the process. Mm. It's not the end of it.
0: Well, I would like to go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room, and that's psychiatric medications. Personally, I have benefited from various depression medications at many points in my life, and I'm thankful for those medications. And I'm even more thankful that I'm currently in a season where I'm not using them. Because to be perfectly transparent, I've carried a lot of guilt and shame about using these medications, even though I have experienced the benefits firsthand. So, I would love to have you speak to parents out there who might be considering or are currently using these types of medications for themselves or their children. Can you share some of the benefits and drawbacks of psychiatric medications and maybe some encouragement for those who feel shame and guilt associated with using them?
2: Yeah, the, the, that first issue is a critical one that that even the, this is a place where the world is ahead of us just a little bit where where the world doesn't seem to experience as much shame and guilt mm. <laughs> when when they're taking medication it's it's it, it, frankly it's sort of expected it's 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 normal so it's not shameful when something becomes normal it's no longer shameful but in the Christian church it's still it still has a little bit of overtone of shame because there still is that sense that we need Jesus and Jesus alone and and we and and to rely on other things is is somehow diminishing the power of Christ. Uh, well, obviously we, we don't do that with cancer diagnoses, or mm. we, we, most of us exercise in some way. We, we, we do things to, to care for our body uh, or our brain or our heart or our liver or whatever it might be, where, where there are peculiarities in the way our body is working. So, so I appreciate you pointing out that, that shame is a bit of a hurdle for these things. Let's assume that, that we need help and shame is secondary because we just want to help our kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and in, in a sense, so what What other people think? That's not the most critical issue. Some, somebody's going to say something nasty, so what? Um, then the category that we're after is the category of wisdom. And wisdom can be identified in different ways. But wisdom is, that, is, is, is trying to understand what would be most helpful? What would be good? Uh, so many of the proverbs are when you do this, this tends to be the consequence That's, and since that's science. Science is, okay, when, 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 when you insert this, this medication or whatever, this tends to be the result. so So our question is not so much is medication right or is medication wrong? Our, our question is, will it be helpful for our child and And that's that's a more challenging question. And how do we uh, how do we get the answer to that question? Well, we we talk to parents who have who've gotten psychiatric medication for their children and we ask what's been helpful and and what hasn't been helpful. We ask for good recommendations for a primary physician or most likely a child psychiatrist. I think in this case to have a specialist who is aware of children. It's it is important because the studies have been mostly done on adults, uh, and there, there simply are not as many studies done on children, and we want somebody who has seen lots of kids and seen the benefits or the disadvantages of medication. That's just part of wisdom. We, well, we don't know if something would be helpful. Well, let's, let's talk to people who, who might. That's part of wisdom. It looks for advice. It gathers advice. Now, here, here's when it gets a little trickier. Oftentimes, I can remember the first time I self-consciously, intentionally sought advice for a particular problem. I'm going to be a wise man, and I'm going to ask 10 friends to help me with this. And I expected that by the, by the fifth friend, I would have this consensus, and I'd know exactly what to do. Well, the, my question was basically, should I do this or should I not do this to the 10 friends? And somehow... Each one of my ten friends, they gave a different answer. <laughs> every one of them. Every one of them. It's supposed to be so, binary, but it wasn't. It was, right, yeah. it wasn't. So, so to receive advice is not necessarily the easiest thing around. Hmm. Um, what do we do? We, we make, we make decisions as parents. And the nice thing about medication is, is that, is that the medication is is likely not going to be harmful. Now, aspirin can be harmful, and peanut butter can be harmful uh, <laughs> for, for some children. Uh, so nothing is perfectly safe. But, but these, the medications that a psychiatrist or a child psychiatrist would suggest have been around long enough. They, they have some idea of how children respond. And if the child doesn't do well with the medication, then we stop the medication. That's, it's really fairly simple. It's not... It's not a biblical law that we have to do those things See so you, you see the way i'm trying to approach this it's not a matter of thus saith the lord um, uh, it's a matter of wisdom the lord says okay now search this one out and mm. study your child get get the best advice you can and and then make a hard decision
0: yeah have your kids ever come to you with math homework and ask for your help Only for you to realize you did a mathematical brain dump the day you graduated high school. Well, I have great news for you parents. Whether you're homeschooling or helping your kids with their math homework after school, CTC Math is an invaluable resource. They have video tutorials and summaries that are concise and really engaging while still fully covering the subject matter. It's like having your own personal math tutor accessible at any time. I have so many favorite things about CTC Math, but just to name a few, I get extensive reports and summaries of my kids' progress. We have access to CTC Math's entire catalog of lessons, not just per grade level, as many online math programs do. And finally, there is a 365-day money-back guarantee, literally no questions asked. If you or your kids need some extra help with math, go to ctcmath.com and sign up for a free trial. Again, that's ctcmath.com.
1: And I've talked with a number of parents whose children have been diagnosed with a disorder and immediately put on medication before they've taken this advice of talking with other people and and really uh, investigating what might be a, a good first step. And so they immediately go on this medication. And while the medication did seem to help with the problem, the side effects ushered in a new problem, which led to more side effects and more meds. So Ed, let's say that a parent comes to you whose child has recently been diagnosed with I don't know, let's say ADHD or obsessive compulsive disorder or any number of disorders and their pediatrician has recommended medication as a first step. What would how would you counsel parents who who really prefer to try a different approach before they start any kind of medication? And, and are there any resources that offer practical advice for parents who would like to help their children work through issues like these without medication? The
2: the principle is that Here's this particular struggle in my child. I don't understand this struggle very well because I don't have it myself. And so I, I can't assume that I understand it. So, so that's what we're after. We're, we're trying to study our child. And, and in the course of that study, what has been helpful? And again, you talk to 10 people and you're gonna find, you're gonna find 10 different treatments for that child. Uh, you know, take away their phone, have them watch TV less. Um, put them on a sports team. Uh, everybody's going to have some, some thoughts of, of what might be helpful. Um, sometimes the problem with medication too early is we stop the process of trying to study our child. Mm-hmm. Because, because what we can, what, I think what we can safely say, if medication helps, that's not the sole answer. That that there are still other things going on with the child that we want to be alert to. Um, and we want to be able to speak well from scripture to our child. So if we do take medication, uh, by the way, if somebody says that, yeah, this is the first thing you should do, if a, chi- if a parent is uncomfortable with that, well, you get a second opinion or a third opinion. That's, again, that's part of, of, of wisdom. The one thing a parent cannot do is say that's the end of the discussion. That's the end of the search for my child. Medication is the problem. Medication is the answer. Uh, the physiology is the problem. The medication is the answer. That's not what we're looking for. We we want to continue to know our child. And we're reading books. We're reading biographies. We're interviewing parents. We're doing everything we can. But our desire is that we can speak to our child and say, sweetie, is, tell me if I understand what life is like and then we tell a story and the child says mommy that's what it feels like that's that's what we're aiming for Mm. with our child
0: Well, Ed, in your new book, I Have a Psychiatric Diagnosis, What Does the Bible Say? Which is a great title, by the way. I love that. Uh, You told a story about a little boy you encountered who answered his front door and said, Hi, I'm Johnny. I have ADHD. And I'm going to read just a quick paragraph from the book because I think it so succinctly describes how many Christians respond to psychiatric diagnoses. You wrote this. As I came to know him and the family, his introduction made sense. I could understand why ADHD had such a high profile in the home, but they never breached the divide between diagnosis and what does God say. As a family, they never seemed to consider that the gospel of Jesus Christ could speak even more deeply than his diagnosis of ADHD. Since then, I've noticed that for many thoughtful followers of Jesus, when they take psychiatric medication, Jesus is part of Sunday, but is largely absent from the struggles that can feel so life-dominating. And that's what you were just talking about, Ed. Um, I think many of the parents are there, you know, parents listening today are there either with their children or even with their own debilitating diagnosis or self-diagnosis. So I'd like for you to help us untangle... Why we're so quick to draw a line between spiritual issues that we deal with by using churchy things like prayer and fasting and psychological or even physical issues that we deal with through medication and therapy. If we are embodied souls, and we know the Bible tells us that we are, why do we so often separate the two?
2: I don't know. We shouldn't. I'll go back to what I said earlier, that, that we don't find these things in the concordance. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there, I think there are theological reasons why we separate them. We think, well, one is the body, and the other is the soul, and the other is the spirit. There, there can be theological reasons, but ultimately, I think it is we just simply don't know what it is that God says. That's that's mm-hmm. really the challenge. Um, mm-hmm. And and so, again, we're thinking that what God says is not again, it's not a sort of side benefit. It's deeper. It's deeper than a diagnosis. It, 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 you know, God's world understands us body and soul. And if there are bodily and brain matters that are the struggle for us, the scripture certainly understands such things, but, but the Lord takes us deeper to, to matters of faith and love and wisdom. And, and how do we listen to somebody when we don't wanna listen to somebody? And how do we turn to Jesus for the things that we simply are not able to do ourselves? That's I think what you're identifying there is the critical part of of this that's it's not so much we need to have all these answers right now it's we need to take away the partition between scripture and psychiatry, if you will, and recognize that we cannot go any more deeply than than asking the question, "What does Jesus say and perhaps a, a way that parents can can get to that get to that with their children is is entertain, entertain this question. What can we pray for my son or my daughter that only Jesus can give? That's, that's when we know we're going to the most profound places. The last thing in the world we wanna do is, 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 to, is to be blind to those critical matters of the heart and think that, okay, that they, we have the right medication and now my, off, off my child goes. What and we and we can be thinking about these things with every one of our children. What is it that my child needs? This particular child. What does this child need that only Jesus can give? Mm-hmm. That that medication won't give him. A parent won't give him. What is it that that he needs? That's that's the question that's really driving us into to scripture. So that would be sort of a simple way, perhaps, to to make sure that partition is not going up between. Between the psychiatric world and in this much more profound world of, of the kingdom of heaven and how God speaks,
1: right? Because the bottom line is that really nothing in our lives and nothing in the lives of our children should be uh, separate from Jesus in our lives.
2: That's that that is that's the parental task, which well, here's the here's the nature of being a parent. It always comes back to. Our relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. so the way we're going to help our child is are the details of our lives are they are they brought to Jesus mm-hmm. do we hear the, the words of Jesus spoken to our anxieties our frustrations our conflicts does the word of Christ come in does, does it sneak into every one of those details that's that is that is the that is the most that we can do to bless our child if they have a psychiatric diagnosis, that we have become increasingly practiced and and, and enjoy hearing the word of Christ speak to, to some of those details that sometimes they're hard to see what Jesus speaks.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. And, the, and the, the word of God is living and active. In every aspect of our lives. And so we always need to be us and taking our children back to the word of God. What does the Bible say? How how can we turn to Jesus for help? Because really, ultimately, he is the great physician who can help us in our times of need. So, Ed, I think we could have easily asked you 50 more questions, and Mm -hmm. I'm even more sure that our listeners likely have many more. Uh, This is just such a challenging topic, and we just so much appreciate you taking time to share your wisdom and years of expertise with us. Before we go, I would love to hear some of the Bible verses that you have used most often in counseling that have given hope and comfort to parents and children dealing with psychological disorders.
2: Hmm. I, I don't... I have some favorites but but I since the Bible is a big book I <laughs> I like to I like to not just go to my favorites but to, to some of the lesser known ones as well but I'll I'll, I'll just I'll give you a couple okay. that that are on my heart right now um, Isaiah what is it Isaiah 40, 41 I think it's it's a little tiny passage but it captures a theme uh, I the Lord Hold your right hand, I the Lord, hold your right hand. now let's assume that anxiety goes through just about every single problem of life, <laughs> certainly every single psychiatric or psychological problem. you're going to find anxieties and fears going through it so so I the Lord, hold your right hand that is. I just find that to be a, a staggering passage. That it, it, first of all, he, he's he's given us really the heart of his words to to almost everything we struggle with. I am with you, but this is just a it's just a beautiful way to present it. He is really, really close, and he holds our right hand. Now, when I think personally, what are what are some of my greatest joys in life? And it's not just because I'm old. I think these were <laughs> great joys to me when I was young. Uh, young as a young father and, and young husband. To go for a walk with my wife holding her hand is, 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 is downright intimate. It is, just, it is thrilling to have my child, my children, or my grandchildren come and take my hand or not, or not pull their hand away when I take theirs and keep holding my hand when we're going for a walk. Is there, anything, is there anything more beautiful than that? Again, I'm just giving you one passage, but I'm choosing a passage that with children, obviously, and with adults, we want the passage to be seen we want them to be able to see it. We want them to picture it. We want them to be able to picture it and tell a story about how Jesus is holding their hands and where they're going on their journey and what they're going to find in their own pilgrim's progress journey. That's, you know, that, that's what we're after. So I'll, I'll just give you that one. Uh, I, have been, I have been tickled by that personally. And, and it's, you know, it's, just, it's just beautiful. The Lord would speak in such a pleasant way to us in the midst of our own sense of boneness.
0: Mm. If I could give a quick plug for biblical counseling, and I, I do think, as you said, it's it's not unwise to seek counsel other places, medical doctors and things like that. But what I love so deeply about biblical counseling is that word biblical, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I guess used to be neuthetic counseling, but you know, bringing people back to God's word mm-hmm. for every issue they could possibly in there to deal with um, and pointing them to scripture over and over. If if I'm in a counseling session for something like a marriage issue and the Bible isn't opened, then I know that's not the place I need to be. So I'm just, I'm grateful uh, for what you all do, for CCEF and you know every all the resources you have out there to point us back to God's word. That's what our podcast is all about, pointing parents to God's word. But I'm just so appreciative of all of the biblical counselors who are striving to do that very thing. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Ed. So, Ed, what is your quick tip for us today?
2: Well, uh, I'll try to be quick. Let's see. I discovered this problem when I had my first daughter. I I went. To, I, I I did the great fatherly thing. I took her to breakfast. I, after, I'm the greatest husband father in the world, <laughs> and she's she's six years old, and and so I'm talking and asking her questions, and she said, "Dad, why are you trying to counsel me?" So that's what she said when she was six. Six? What? (laughs) (laughs) And and that got me thinking Mm. that how do I engage with my daughter? And I recognized that that a lot of my engagement was correcting her or asking her questions, like a counselor. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so my tip is this: with our children, we want to mix up the way we engage them. We we want to tell a story from our day. One time, my wife and I were, were struggling with our grandchildren, just trying to get them to talk and engage over the dinner table. And, and so I'm asking questions. I think they're the greatest questions in the world, and they are not engaged by my questions. Like, some, tell me about the best thing that happened today. Yeah, like, well, what a great question. Well, they weren't <laughs> engaged at all. And, and then my wife, she just, she talked about what was great from her day. And And all of a sudden, everybody started talking Mm -hmm. after that. (laughs) So mix up the way you engage with your children. Tell a story from your day. Uh, Tell a story about what you are learning, um, uh, what what Jesus is teaching you. Tell them a passage that has thrilled your soul. Uh, Ask them forgiveness. We talked about that before. Um, uh, Ask them for what was the best part of their day. What was the scariest part of their day? Um, uh, What... Tell them what you enjoy about them the most, mm. uh, at least mm. from things that they've done. That day. Mix up the way you engage with your children. That's, that's my tip.
0: I love that. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those.
1: Well, Ed, once again, it has just been a tremendous blessing to have you on today to share just your wisdom, your insights, and most importantly, to point our listeners back to Christ within every aspect of their lives and every aspect of their children's lives. And so uh, as far as where our listeners can go to find out more about you and your books and your ministry is ccef.com.org. Is what is it?
2: I think it's .org. It's .org, I
1: think. .org, yeah. okay.
2: Yes. hmm
0: Okay, we'll be sure to put a link to um, CCEF and our website, as well as some of Ed's wonderful resources.
2: I wish I could tell you more, but I've never actually used the link myself because I work there. I don't, to, <laughs> I don't have to look it up, so I, I think it's ccf.org.
1: We'll, we'll put a link so, so
2: our listeners <laughs> will
1: be sure to know where to go. Ed, how about leaving our listeners with a
0: final word of encouragement?
2: I, I think what I'm thinking right now is just reflecting on our conversation That we live in a world that is a bit more complicated for parents. Uh, There's there's a little bit more to our job description, which means that you are going to be thinking about psychological disorders, psychiatric disorders, in ways that, that your parents never did with you. And what is that? That is simply an opportunity. It's an opportunity to know our children just a little bit better. It's an oper- and, and here's the nice thing about being a parent. The better you know your child, the more patient you will be. The, the child you're patient with at home is the one who's sort of like you. They say you intuitively, yeah, I, I did the same things when I was a child. Mm. The child you're frustrated with are the child who is different than you. Here is one place psychiatric terms can help you identify, here are some places where my child processes different, feels different, reacts different. The more, the more you will understand the particular strengths and the weaknesses and psychiatric disorders are kinds of weaknesses. The more you understand them in your children, the more patient you will come, you will become, the more your love will be able to be more meaningful to that particular child.
0: Thank you so much, Ed and Ginger, and thank you, listeners, for joining us today. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening, and while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This is a huge help to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. You can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode, at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can also find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Ginger also offers a free discussion guide for this book on her website, which is great for book clubs and small group studies. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a corner. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently. And each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts.